was something where I was like, hey, I could marry these two loves. Like, I clearly love technology. I didn't know it, but I do. And I really love the accounting profession. And maybe I can blend those and be the best of both worlds. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsco.com. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. If you're just joining us, we are a show that's all about accounting careers, what it takes to start your career, what it takes to progress in your career, and particularly all the different paths that you can take as you continue to develop in your career. Well, that clip that we just played was from another very interesting guest, Byron Patrick. Byron's a CPA and started his career in a typical audit role, but quickly realized that he had natural talent and interest in IT systems. He was the guy that everyone asked for help in the office when they had a problem with their computer. It's actually sort of ironic. He was so good with computers back in the early 2000s that it was detrimental to his billable hours as an auditor. In today's world, the story may have went a little differently, but at that time, it caused him to have to make some tough decisions regarding which direction he wanted to go with his career. It all obviously worked out well, though, and actually at this point, he's been one of the pioneers in cloud accounting and now in AI. Byron definitely has some valuable insights that he shares with us on the show. If you do find value in this episode for yourself, please check us out online as well. You can find us at whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career-focused materials. We have books, we have courses, we have blogs, and of course, we have all the other podcasts and even a few tools for employers as well. If you're looking to grow your own career, one publication that may interest you is our book, 49 Tips for a successful accounting career. You can find it on Amazon, or if you'd like it for immediate delivery, you can find it on our own website at whereaccountsco.com. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with our guest for today. Here's Byron Patrick. Well, hello, Byron. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. So excited to be here after spending so many hours listening to you on the podcast. To actually be here, I couldn't be more excited. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. I didn't know you were a listener as well. That's <laughs> you're, you're becoming one of my favorites already. <laughs> Good deal. Well, for the audience, just a little background. I actually came across our guest for today, Byron Patrick, due to another recent episode that we just produced. We had Jody Paydar on the show just a few weeks ago. And through some of that research, I came across Byron. Byron's background interested me because he started as an accountant, but now he's very, very much in the IT space. And and frankly, that's a conversation we need to delve a little deeper into on this show. Plus, though, he just joined Botkeeper not long ago, which is a company where Joey actually does some consulting as well. So I figured this would be a good way to, you know, sort of continue that conversation and get into AI and accounting just a little more. And Byron, it really was fortuitous that that we crossed paths at at this point. It's going to make perfect. (laughs) <laughs> yes, definitely. Before we get into you know, the IT portion of your career, I do always like to start at the beginning because a lot of our audience members are at that point in their career, you know, right at the beginning stages. So what initially led you to think about pursuing accounting as a possible career in the first place? I think I'm a little bit unique in this, but I actually date to uh, uh, high school. 
I want to say it was 10th grade. I took an accounting class. Accounting 101, debits, credits, and, you know, this is back in the 90s, so I didn't even say I was getting into any fun, like, uh, QuickBooks or anything. It, it was really basic. But one of the cool things we did is we actually spent two weeks playing Monopoly and actually keeping our books by hand, you know, with 12-column ledger paper or however many columns. It was so much fun actually just playing the game, but tracking all of the income, expenses, and actually being able to generate financial statements off of that. So in addition, as being part of that, my teacher kind of recruited me into FBLA, which was Future Business Leaders of America. Actually, believe it or not, competed in uh, business competitions in high school. So I really, you know, just kind of got the accounting flavor pumped into my blood early in high school. And, you know, from there, I set out to, uh, I'm an accountant. <laughs> that is a great story. I've heard deciding in high school several times on the show, actually, but playing Monopoly and doing financial <laughs> statements. <that's... laughs> yeah, in fact, so last year I was a speaker for two to CPAs at Engage, and one of our speaker gifts was a small donation where we could look for teachers who were looking for donations to do programs in their classes. And I actually found another teacher who was trying to buy board games to teach their students business. It was so inspiring for me. You know, I contributed that plus some additional funds because I just think it's a really cool tool for inspiring some young minds into the profession. That is cool. I would have never thought of that. But that, <laughs> that, that <laughs> you got to make it interesting, you know? That's right. So you knew you were going to be an accountant very early on. Did you go straight through college on the accounting track, you know, sort of the typical path? I did. I attended what is now Salisbury University, which is on the eastern shore of Maryland. The School of Business is actually the Frank Purdue School of Business. So, you know, went there with accounting on my mind, carried it through. And uh, in fact, I was just lucky enough to actually be the last graduating class before the 150 credit hour rule. So I'm one of the last of the 120 credit hour uh, CPAs. Timing is everything. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. And I can tell you, after my first semester, I had to find out I had to make up some uh, credits really quickly to not fall into that 105th credit hours. Ooh, motivation, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So what was your first accounting job? I know you worked in accounting a little bit before getting into IT. What was that first job or two like? I did, yeah. So I started my career with a small CPA firm in Annapolis, Maryland, Hyman Associates. And it was such a perfect environment for me in a lot of respects. It was a small firm in a town that I knew well. And Carter Heim, the owner of the firm, at the time that I joined him, was also the chairman of the Maryland Association of CPAs. You know, I came into the organization and basically he grabbed me and said, let's go to an MACPA where I wasn't, you know, four weeks under my belt in the profession and I'm sitting in the room with Tom Hood and Jackie Brown of the Maryland Association. So it was such a cool experience being exposed to what I now considered to be home as far as industry involvement goes. And again, so, you know, much like my accounting teacher, I was inspired very early working with Carter to become a member, participating member of the industry, you know, and of course, 
you had my close friend, Kimberly Ellison Taylor, on you know a, a number of weeks ago, and she and I basically grew up together within the Maryland Association. So starting with Carter and that timing of pulling me in was just really cool. I didn't know that. I mean, I figured y'all knew each other, but uh, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, we go back a few years. In fact, I followed her by just a couple of years as chairman at the Maryland Association. You know, we've oh. served on the board there. And in fact, she and I also helped found the New Young Professionals Network for the Maryland Association many moons ago when both of us were young. Interesting. I didn't know you were involved at the state level or outside yep. of, you know, pure membership. Interesting. Okay. I do a lot of that myself in Texas. I'm curious about how the transition happened into IT because it happened very early in your career. And I'm curious, I guess, you know, were there some things that, you know, pushed you that way in your initial accounting, you know, roles or did you just, you know, have a natural interest? How did that all happen? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting looking back at it. When I started working for Carter, you know, I came out of school, I'm going to be an auditor and, you know, really focus on becoming a CPA. And that was kind of my path. And my senior year in college, I took an accounting information systems class, which back then was kind of ugly compared to what accounting information systems looks like today. But it definitely intrigued me and it kind of gave me a flavor for technology, which up until that point, I really had no interest or, you know, really even paid attention to. And I had my professor at the time after right around graduation time, he said, you know what, when you start your career with this firm, go in there and do something. Like the firm you're going to doesn't even have a website. So how about you do something to get them online? So I gung-ho, you know, 22-year-old, I'm going to change the world. And I got there and actually, believe it or not, within a year, they had a website and I kind of drove that. Yeah, it was kind of neat. It definitely like, you know, I'd have a pile of work papers to go through or work on the website. And guess what? I was working on the website and, you know, then trying to get done with those work papers. It basically slowly started to evolve within the organization. People would come to me, ask IT questions, and, you know, nine times out of ten, I said, just right-click. They thought I was a superhero. Wow, this right-click thing really does something. You know, next thing after that is I'm walking around the office installing QuickBooks on everybody's computer and helping with the tax software, doing tax updates. And it just kind of, you know, naturally evolved to where I eventually was administering the technology for the small firm. I wouldn't say like it was necessarily one moment where it happened. It, it just evolved. I would shadow the IT consultants and, you know, go, what, what's this? What's this? What's this? And I think it was about two years after I started there, we merged with a second CPA firm and they had two locations. And we had this challenge where we had two locations, but we wanted to be able to take advantage of, you know, sharing our data. So they brought in consultants who actually installed a Citrix environment. And this is, we're talking like 2003, maybe 2002. And I actually like paid attention and learned how to do it and just really got super excited about it. And next thing you know, again, I'm back to, you know, clicking, installing, running things. And uh, one day I had a review with the boss and he said, 
your pillow hours are struggling. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm keeping everybody else's billable hours, but you're here to be billable. And, you know, we had a meeting of the mind, you know, really, I was kind of stuck in this position of being an IT resource. So everybody's coming to me and I was clearly enjoying it because I, you know, I wasn't telling people no, but I couldn't keep up the billable hours. So that's when it kind of became time to explore other opportunities. And I went to a regional size CPA firm in Maryland. There were about a hundred people or so. Basically put my head down and being an auditor. I, you know, this is a new environment. I'm not going to get sucked into these IT issues. I'm going to do this. And within a year, through a whole, there's not enough hours to share the story. But, you know, I went into the field one day with an auditor and they said, well, we don't have internet, so we can't do these things. And I said, oh, yeah, we do. We just plug into this wall, this jack in the wall, and we'll have internet. And they were like, wow. So, you know, (laughs) once again, I become this IT resource. So literally, it was 12 months to the day that the managing partner took me out to lunch and said, hey, you seem to know something about this IT stuff. Uh, Like, you could be an okay accountant, but I think you could be a really great IT director. I was like, oh, you know, I'm not sure about this. So I (laughs) talked to my, my wife at the time about it, and I'm like, you know, I worked pretty damn hard to get this license, this CPA. I, you know, studied hard, took tests. This has been my goal. And now here I am uh, potentially looking at a different career path. I think if I had been asked at the time to just do an IT path that was unrelated to the accounting industry, I wouldn't have taken it. But this was something where I was like, hey, I could marry these two loves. Like, I clearly love technology. I didn't know it, but I do. And I really love the accounting profession. And maybe I can blend those and be the best of both worlds. So I jumped in. They actually sent me away for a two-week boot camp where I, even though I declared I'd never take another test after the CPA exam, I took seven more exams to get my Microsoft certification. You know, that was it. Like that was my transition into becoming this kind of hybrid technology uh, CPA. Interesting. I'm just curious. I did a little time in the IT world. Were you like an MCSA, MCSE at the time? I was, yep, MCSE. Interesting. I didn't know that. (laughs) It's funny. I'm sure this is super clear now, but at the time you had the struggle of, but I've worked so hard to become a CPA. I need to be an accountant, you know, (laughs) even though you loved IT. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of funny because you paint yourself into this box. Actually, here's the irony. I remember when I was choosing whether or not I was going to do accounting or economics, because I also really liked economics in high school. So I was debating. I'm like, do I do economics or do I do accounting? And I chose accounting for one specific reason. I was like, within an economics degree, like there's no one like job. Like there's a million different things you do with an economics degree. But with an accounting degree, you just become an accountant. You know, I don't have to navigate this in the future. I just become an accountant. And then, you know, the irony being that 10 years later, I'm not an accountant, but I still very much depend on that knowledge and experience as an accountant. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it'll benefit you the rest of your life. Well, it looks like you left that accounting firm to co-found or start another company, Simplified Innovations. Is that that what happened, basically? 
Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So after I transitioned into that IT director role, I actually began to figure out, okay, at this small firm I was at, we brought in this technology from Citrix that allowed us to basically consolidate technology into a single location and work as one firm. And at the new firm, we had multiple offices. We were much larger compared to the smaller firm, but we had the same challenges. We had servers in every office and duplicate data all over the place. So I was like, well, we need to bring in Citrix. So I actually worked with the consulting group that had done the Citrix install at Hyman Associates. I brought them in and we built a very similar Citrix environment. We consolidated systems. We got everybody working off the same data. You know, we created efficiencies that actually allowed that firm to grow. We were able to expand those remote offices and have remote employees. We had a partner who, due to health reasons, had to move out to Arizona. We were able to keep them working. Today, in 2019, that sounds like no big deal. That's normal. I can tell you, back in 2005, that was not normal. You know, 14 years in a technology perspective is light years, and that was pretty unique. So we built that environment, maintained it, and a few years later, I was sitting there with my network engineer for the firm, and we're like, you know, this is silly. We have built something that is just really awesome for this firm. We could do the same thing for many CPA firms, for many accountants. The light bulb went off, so... We started looking, found our very first customer, which was right down the street, and a CPA firm that I knew from a variety of things and from some of my involvement with the Maryland Association. And we signed them on as a client. And, you know, I can tell you the day of deployment was one of the most terrifying moments of my life because I left this job and got a nice loan from a bank and we went to go live. And I can tell you it was terrible. It was absolutely awful. So my partner and I, we stayed up all night working on things. And the next day things started running and it was working like it was designed to work. Then was born Simplified Innovations, which was my company that specialized in basically outsourcing the technology for CPA firms. And what I didn't realize at the time, it was really the early cloud accounting. We were actually putting CPA firms in the cloud. Now, granted, it was with desktop apps, but they were no longer required to sit down at their desk in their office in order to open that tax return. In fact, another one of your guests, Jody, who you already mentioned, she had talked about how her firm was very early in going to the cloud. What she left out is Simplified Innovations was the mechanism that put her firm into the cloud. Yeah. In fact, in her first book, she talks about visiting the cloud. And that was the day that I took her on a tour of the data center and showed her the cloud and all the blinky lights and everything going on there. Interesting. Okay. Oh, well, Jody didn't know I was going to be interviewing you. So (laughs) I think that show was going a little long anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it did. (laughs) <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. You know, thank you for mentioning that because I remember her making that comment and I wasn't sure exactly what she meant. And, you know, we just didn't delve into it at that time. So that makes sure. a lot of sense. Okay. So 
You had that business for quite a while, I guess. What did you enjoy about it? What sort of surprised you? What was the, the height of the size and that kind of thing? How large did you grow it? Absolutely. So I did. I had the company for eight years. We grew to the point where we were actually supporting about 650 end users. Yeah, pretty good. And the thing that surprises a lot of people is we did that with only four staff. I had myself, my business partner, and then two support staff. And we were supporting well over 600 people. You know, and if you go to most accounting firms and ask them what their ratio is of IT support to accountants or staff, the ratio might be somewhere between 35 or 50 to 1 if they're doing a good job. And we were somewhere in the ballpark of 150 to 1. So it grew pretty good size considering our small staff. But we were working with, again, in the industry, which is what I love doing. I really loved that it enabled me to extend my involvement with the Maryland Association as well as with the American Institute of CPAs. And that really became, for one, from a business perspective, that was a marketing engine because it allowed me to build relationships, make contacts, and a lot of our business came from those relationships. But it also helped me to just kind of further my professional goals of being involved within the industry. In 2013, I was the chairman of the Maryland Association of CPAs. That was while I was running Simplified Innovations and, you know, got involved in a lot of capacities. So it was an exciting time. Really enjoyed it. It came with a lot of challenges. I mean, we were trying to keep up with technology, which is always a challenge. You know, I did have people to manage, which I think that, you know, somebody quoted business would be great if it wasn't for the people. You know, I love the people, but managing people is a challenge. It really is. I don't think it's something that you're born with. So there were challenges associated there. And, you know, ultimately in 2016, my business partner actually bought me out. He and I were no longer aligned. We had an opportunity to be acquired by a larger, similar organization. And, you know, he wasn't ready to step out and I was ready to take it to the next level. So we agreed on uh, separation at that point. You know, I walked away from it, which was really tough because it was my baby. But it was some great times. Learned an incredible amount while building it and growing it and getting involved in the industry. And I would say for my first business, I'm pretty proud of what we built. Yeah, eight years Supporting 650 end users, and it sounds like, you know, outside of the typical business challenges, people management, that kind of thing, it sounds like you really enjoyed it. I mean, you were definitely oh, yeah. working in your strength. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do want to get to BotKeeper. I, take us, I guess, from there forward to BotKeeper. Let's hit the highlights. Yeah. So after Simplified, I joined Network Alliance, which actually Network Alliance was the organization that wanted to acquire us. And Network Alliance was a similar company who had grown to about five times our size. However, they were not focused in the accounting industry. You know, they actually had a number of accounting clients, but no real specific vertical expertise. So I joined them and began building out that vertical expertise, which had a lot of benefits. You know, I was no longer running a company, so I was able to, you know, relinquish a number of my hats and really focus. And my focus was business development, which also meant I was able to expand my 
involvement with the American Institute of CPAs, my involvement with speaking at the national level. You know, during that two years, I spoke at a number of conferences, a number of state society events for states all over the country. I got to speak at QB Connect. And, you know, so that really kind of expanded my reach in a lot of things. And again, reinforced my involvement in the industry, which has really been kind of a driving force in my entire career, really from those early days of Carter taking me to those meetings. You know, it was great. I enjoyed it. I was doing what I was doing, but I wasn't necessarily being challenged any longer. It had been a number of years where I'm basically selling cloud desktops. In 2008, when I started, cloud desktops were an innovative solution. And in 2016, 2018, the cloud desktops are legacies. They frankly are a solution for organizations that want to go into the cloud, but they're not ready to let go of their desktop applications. So, you know, I was trying to figure out what to do with that. And in fact, while looking out onto the horizon and, you know, talking to a lot of people, I built a very large network of influencers within the industry. I happened to cross paths with Botkeeper and I spoke to them and I was intrigued. I saw Botkeeper and I was like, you know, there's a lot of tools out there. There's a lot of new apps out there and many of them you know, are having fractional impacts to the industry. They're maybe enabling efficiencies or, you know, adding tools that never existed, but none of them, in my opinion, were going to, and I hate the word, but I'm going to use it, be disruptive. I think being disruptive, like, is such an overused term now. That's why I hate to use it. To me, being disruptive isn't necessarily putting an industry out of business or anything like that. Being disruptive is just creating conversations that weren't being had yesterday and pushing everybody to get a little bit uncomfortable in their skin and think about what it is they're doing day after the day. And that's where I saw Botkeeper and I said, you know what? I kind of consider myself to be a little disruptive with things. Not many CPAs have CPA tattooed on their forearm. And uh, I was like, you know, so let's see if I can't join a group that is participating in new conversations. And I started talking to them. We found some mutual agreement. You know, the value was right. So it was time for me to do something new. So March of uh, 2019, I joined the Botkeeper team. Okay. I'm sorry. I may have totally misunderstood this, but do you have CPA tattooed on your forearm? You- <laughs> I do. I do. You do? Um, okay. Yes. <laughs> I promise you, if you're sitting in front of a computer, Google CPA tattoo, and my forearm will pop right up. In 2013, when I was the chairman of the Maryland Association of CPAs, I decided I wanted to do something as a tribute to my year. So I actually designed the Superman diamond, put the Maryland flag in the back of it, which unless you're hiding under a rock, you see the Maryland flag branded on everything Maryland. And then I threw CPA in the middle of it. I put it right on my forearm. So when we shake hands, you'll see it and know that I'm proud of this profession and proud to be part of it. I was thinking, I don't know if he's using a metaphor and I'm just missing it. Or... <laughs> wow. We've had some interesting things on this show, but that is a first for sure. <laughs> you don't see many of them. I didn't mean to get off topic, but I... Oh, no, it's all good. 
Wow, I'm glad I asked. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Well, tell us a little bit more about Botkeeper because I know we talked to Jody a little bit about that, but that was a piece, you know, of what we were talking about. Tell us about what Botkeeper does and what is your role exactly in Botkeeper. Yeah, absolutely. So, Botkeeper basically is a technology solution to help automate many aspects of the bookkeeping process. And there's a lot of tools already out there that will automate certain pieces, but there's gaps in those automation. And what has been done here at Botkeeper is we've leveraged aspects of artificial intelligence and machine learning to automate some of the labor-intensive processes associated with bookkeeping. And then we've blended that automation with humans to, you know, fill those gaps. So now instead of having like one piece or, you know, one component of the bookkeeping process, having a solution for it, we see ourselves as a full solution to the underlying bookkeeping. We partner with accountants around the country basically to assist on those labor-intensive data entry, monotonous functions, automate those tasks, give them a predictable, consistent, accurate output, and allow them to focus on the higher level transactions associated with accounting and bookkeeping. My role, it's kind of interesting. I came into the organization basically as part of what we call the pre-sales team. If you've ever worked with like a technology company, they have sales engineers who will join the sales call and they'll talk, you know, IP addresses and RAM and gigabytes and, you know, these types of things and help the salespeople translate the actual technical pieces of it. So what I do is very similar, except I'm helping to support both the technology aspect of the conversation as well as the accounting aspect of the conversation. That's my core responsibility. However, now joining the group, I've gotten involved in a lot of pieces. As you know, you may have found through your research, Blackkeeper recently had a pretty significant investment from basically Google, an arm of Google who is invested in the growth of the technology for Botkeeper. So we're in a bit of a growth stage and a maturing stage. So there's a lot of processes and frameworks that need to be developed. And due to my accounting background and experience, as well as my technology experience, I've stepped into assisting develop a lot of those processes and make sure that we're accounting for both the technology and the accounting considerations in those discussions. It sounds like I mean, it's a great time you know, to be joining Botkeeper. Definitely an exciting time. And this mixes some of what you enjoyed about having your own company as well. You know, the fast yeah. growth. And- you nailed it. I'm excited about what was going on, but now that I'm here, I've told a number of people recently, not since starting my own company have I been just so stimulated and excited to get online. And, you know, I sit down at my desk and all of a sudden it's like five o'clock and I'm going, did I eat today? The day just flies by and it's just really an exciting time and I'm enjoying it. It's a different path. It's fresh and new and challenging. So yeah, I'm three months in. I am not questioning the decision. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I have three questions I end every podcast with, and I want to make sure we leave time for those. But there's one 
Other thing I wanted to ask you about, I have my own opinions on this, but something you just said about sort of changing the job of a bookkeeper or accountant piqued my interest. I was at a CE session here just recently, and it was a continuing education session for CPAs. It was all CPAs in the room, but the speaker was definitely a technology professional, worked on, you know, just purely technology, not necessarily in accounting. And he was talking about blockchain and a few other related items, but he specifically said, that he felt bad for accountants because their job was going to go away. <laughs> I thought, first of all, that's really gutsy for your audience, you know, and, and I'm a little offended. <laughs> yeah. I think he was defining accountant as, you know, he didn't fully understand the profession maybe and was defining right. it a little more narrowly. And I have my thoughts, but I'm curious to know what your view is on that how it's changing the profession and what an accountant is going to look like or an accountant job is going to look like down the road. What are your thoughts on that? So at the very lowest level, if you believe your value is doing data entry, then yes, I agree. Your position is cooked because that is going away. However, accounting in the broadest of broad terms is while we look at the numbers and we help generate the numbers, it's also a translator of the numbers. And, you know, applying that to businesses, business decisions, organizations, and that is not right now what we're talking about being replaced. I mean, frankly, when artificial intelligence gets so good that it can make business decisions for us, it's more than just accountants that are going to be in jeopardy of losing their jobs. But right now, okay, so there may be technologies that are going to automate the underlying numbers and the creation of those numbers. But we build relationships, and that's probably one of the things that I underestimated coming out of school is the relationship aspect of being an accountant. And, you know, accountants are therapists, accountants are advisors, accountants are leaders. And these are all aspects of the world that cannot, in today's terms, be automated tomorrow. So I believe that the accountant of the future is going to be that translator who can also take all of the additional considerations of empathy associated with decisions, the impact of those decisions to business owners, the clients, the customers. You know, it's relationships. Accountants have that ability to be relationship managers and help to piece everything together and not have to worry about the underlying data and how it showed up. Beautiful. I knew you would say it a lot better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I almost got lost in my own thought there for a minute, but I think it came around. By the way, I can really relate to the comment about being a therapist sometimes. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely an aspect of that, particularly for tax people, but, but just in general. The first time I had a client cry in my office, I began to, I should say, I knew that taxes were not for me. I do end every podcast with the same three questions. So I like to go ahead and get to those because I want to be respectful of your time as well. The first one is usually the easiest. Thinking about your own career, what's been your proudest moment? You know, I knew these questions were common and I've been debating it. 
You know, there's really two moments that I would say I'm most proud of. One is becoming chairman of the Maryland Association. As many people know, you know, Tom Hood is a household name within the industry for anybody who's paying attention. And being involved with the Maryland Association as the chairman, working in lockstep with Tom, with Jackie, with all of the staff, the incredible leadership there, that was definitely, definitely a defining moment in my career. The only other one that would be a very close second that I feel should get an honorable mention is in 2013, I think, Simplified Innovations actually won the Innovative Citrix Service Provider Partner of the Year Award. You know, Citrix is kind of a big deal. And to actually win that award, and we were up against some pretty big names, just really kind of made me puff my chest a little bit and say, you know, what we're doing here is the real deal. So I would say the two of those would definitely define it. Wow. Yeah, that is pretty special. Definitely. Well, the second question, I have to tell you, I'm secretly hoping the answer is something like, you know, I accidentally took down the internet or something something like that. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a good one. Um, So tell us about a mistake you made. Seriously, we do want to know what you learned from it. But frankly, the bigger, the better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nothing as catastrophic as taking down the internet, but that would be a good one. So this is another one I've been laboring over a little bit. I know you like to dig into the details on some of these. Unfortunately, on this one, I have to kind of keep it high level because it doesn't involve just me. But at one point in my career, I began observing some behaviors from a few of my colleagues that I didn't necessarily align with my moral values or moral code, if you will. It wasn't that they were breaking any laws, they weren't doing anything illegal, and they certainly weren't putting anybody at risk of, you know, harm. But it didn't align. And it didn't impact me, it didn't impact my job, it didn't impact my family, but it really bothered me. And, you know, so I took a few actions, basically, to kind of bring it to the surface and, you know, allow others to become aware of what was going on. And it, the ripple effect was ugly. You know, it really interrupted a lot of people's worlds and including my own to the point where it disrupted things at work. I had to answer to a lot of important people at work and kind of, you know, really learned a hard lesson there about paying attention to what matters, paying attention to what is most important and not getting lost in some of the things that really, frankly, aren't your story to tell and isn't really your business. There's going to be things that you are going to see that you're going to come by that you may not necessarily agree with, but in the grand scheme of things are not going to harm the business or harm things that you are in control of. And sometimes you need to just kind of turn a blind eye. Not all the time, and I don't have a golden rule for exactly when the right moment is, but paying attention to what's important and really having discretion in those types of situations is critical because that was definitely an embarrassing moment for me and a scary moment because, you know, my family's livelihood was at risk due to something that really I had no business getting myself involved in. 
Thank you for sharing that. I understand the lack of being able to delve in too deep, but thank you for sharing that. It sounds like it was one of those moments in life where your judgment ends up getting very refined. <laughs> and you, you probably benefited <laughs> yeah. later. <laughs> you're absolutely right. In the long run, it's a good thing, but man, when you're going through it, it sucks. It's okay if I could learn this a different way, please. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yes. Well, the last question that we ask all our guests, actually, I think is one of the most valuable. So let's get this one and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? I would have to say the best piece of advice I've ever received is own who you are. I've heard it from, you know, a number of people over the years and it's really, especially for some of the young listeners, like you hear and you go, yeah, of course I own who I am. And then, you know, you walk into the office and you overwhelm yourself throughout the day. Um, no, I can't say this because I'll think that. No, you know, I don't want to expose this or I need to act a certain way and not owning who you are. And I was like that early in my career. And eventually, once it, it kind of clicked, I realized that people love you and remember you for who you are, not for the, no pun intended, but robot that society wants you to think you have to be. And the moment that you can really own it and say, yeah, I'm in a profession where historically tattoos are not necessarily a part of the profession, but I'm going to throw it here anyway and own it. That's who I am. I'm proud of it. And I'm not going to apologize for it. So own it. And believe me, you will build relationships with customers, clients, bosses, colleagues, and everybody else around because of they're going to know who the person is actually behind the suit or whatever it is that many people tend to hide behind. Beautiful. That is great advice to end the song because it's very important for us to be true to ourselves and not always be conforming. Thank you very much, Byron. Definitely. Oh, thank you. Well, for the audience, our guest today has been Byron Patrick, and this has been Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. If you haven't yet visited that website, please do. We're going to have the show notes, of course, for Byron's episode. We have the show notes for Jody Paydar's episode, and we have an extraordinary amount of career-related content to help you build your own career as well. That website is www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, Byron, thank you so much for joining us today. This really was a good discussion. Oh, I really appreciate you having me. I had fun. The last hour just blew by. (laughs) Wonderful. I enjoyed it as well. And thank you to the audience for joining us. We appreciate you joining us every week. We will see everyone next week. There's more to come.